Hello and welcome. My name is Dan and you're listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. Sheffield prides itself on being a sporting city. It's produced world-class sportsmen and women who have biked, boxed and run at the very highest level. But it's also a footballing city. And in this episode, I talk to football historian Martin Westby. Martin's book, A History of Sheffield Football from 1857 to 1889, explores the beginnings of the beautiful game and the truly massive contribution that our city made to the development of the world's most popular sport. Martin Westby, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining us. So, Martin, in your book, you argue that Sheffield can legitimately call itself the true home of association football. And we'll, we'll come on to why that's the case. But for clarity, can you just explain what the term association football actually means? Sure. Um, it, it's a common misconception. There's, there's a whole world of people kicking round spherical objects about, and that's called football. And it didn't really get classified until 1863. So Sheffield FC, the world's oldest football club, um, started in 1857 and they played football. And I'm doing inverted commas, but you can't see them. And that was a sort of a hybrid of folk football, public school rules, whatever people fancied. And that was a big part of the problem. There was Sheffield rules that was leading the way and there was London rules leading the way and there was all the public school rules leading the way. And there was a a push to try and get some kind of um, clarification on one set of rules so that people could play each other and clarify that. And so in 1863, they they formed um, what they called themselves the Football Association to associate to associate all the clubs and for all the interested parties, mostly what we would call ball dribbling, which became association, and ball handling, which we call rugby. And they they had this out in the autumn of 1863. Um, It was very acrimonious. The public schools, the rugby people, and what would become the association people, which include Sheffield, really couldn't agree. And and that moment is when rugby and association football went their separate ways and it's really important that Sheffield be acknowledged for the pressure they they brought to that uh, conversation. Somebody called uh, William Chesterman came down from Sheffield to those meetings and said if you go with hacking which is the rugby kicking each other's shins our game will resemble nothing better than a wrestling match we must avoid this at all costs and threw their hat firmly into the association ring. Does that answer it? That's brilliant. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. So when we talk about association football, we're really talking about the game that's, well, the most popular sport in the world now, 250 million people playing it, something like that. Yes, it's so you can, it's football. Sheff, you can say that Sheffield FC are the world's oldest association football club because they evolved ultimately um, from late from 1857 in 1863, they evolved into association football. They did run alongside with Sheffield Wheels for a while, but they are the world's oldest association football club because that's what they evolved into, and that's where Brilliant. the fusions happen. Great, thanks for that. So your book is um, is taking us right back into 19th century Sheffield. 
So let's let's go back to Victorian Sheffield. And I wonder, can you paint a picture of what Sheffield was like there? It's a very different city. And, and also how important sport and, and football was. Sure. I, I think people say, ah, Sheffield invented football. Sheffield's the home of football. I bet it's those hard-working steel and steel tykes and and it was a uh, that game because because that's how they think of professional football which is more lancashire and more mid 1880s but that early 1857 football in sheffield was very much a um a, a place where upper middle class and upper class played football they were the only they were playing. They were playing cricket. They were doing their athletics, and they wanted something to keep fit in the in the winter. This isn't something that working men did. Working men didn't have time to consider their leisure. They were working six days a week in filing workshops, mostly along the the, the very sooty and smoky and life threatening uh, rivers, doing filing, doing. Uh, various metalworks and the people that were assembling and playing football were the people that had been to public school I mean the Wesley College or the Collegiate College had time on their hands and um, were, were running athletics meetings playing cricket and wanted to play uh, football so cricket and athletics were, were the beginning of all this and then the so-called winter game which was football was started by Nathaniel Creswick, William Prest, amazing leading athletes and cricketers in Sheffield. And they um, decided to form a football club. Amazing. And I, I think, as you say, probably the complete opposite to what most people would imagine when they consider how, how the game sort of grew. So, so when did your, your ordinary man on the street then begin to, to play the game or at least play the association version of it? There's, uh, there's a club called Thursday Wanderers that I look at in my book, which I haven't got the date straight off the top of my head, but I think it's early 1880s, so quite late. And they, they were called Thursday Wanderers. They were bank clerks that were available. They had Thursdays off, so you could call those blue-collar workers, really. Yeah. And then the working class... Um, thing in Sheffield was a real bone of contention. Sheffield absolutely thought that this game was pure and sacrosanct and could only be played by the amateur ethos. And the toffs that wrote these rules were very strict on that. They started to notice that some of the working men were top, top players, people like um, Jack Hunter, who went on to coach, Blackburn Olympic, the first northern uh, football club to, to ever win the FA Cup and, and, and break up the monopoly of the southern clubs. But there was a real hypocrisy there in that they didn't get paid any money. They were working in what little time that they had. There was professional cricketing in Victorian times where they could claim broken time and take fees and, and play cricket for three days and get expenses. But these working class footballers, they, they didn't have a source of income. And so there was a real conflict. And that came to a head in something called the Zulus Football Club. There was a ball war going on, Rourke's Drift, all that stuff. And um, the, to fundraise, I think it was for a hospital, they did a 
I mean, terribly on PC, but to raise money for a local charity. There was a football match where two lots of footballers at Bramall Lane dressed up as Zulus in native dress and played each other at football and raised an absolute fortune. Wow, times have changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, but they realised these guys who wanted to play were gifted and there was no money and they couldn't afford to do it. And they knew that if they tried to get money, like was being advocated from Lancashire, they'd get banned overnight by the Sheffield FA. So they came up with these ideas of playing more of these games. So they'd, they'd go on tour as the Zulus to go and play other teams around the country and raise money. And this caused an enormous row with um, William Dix Pierce, who was the treasurer, or can't quite remember his, but there, they view this, viewed this as evil, that these men would, would do this to try and generate money. And with hindsight, it looks really, really harsh. But they both got really strong opinions here and it was very hard to come together and and once the decision between decision between association and rugby has been settled the next enormous cataclysmic decision was is it professional football or amateur football and rugby went through exactly the the, the, the same conversations so the push for professional football came from uh lancashire in the 80s and the Zulus thing was happening in the mid, uh, early 80s in Sheffield. There was even a team called Sheffield Rovers that were going to go out on tour and, and charge fees. But all the time, the Sheffield FA were fighting a rearguard action, trying to, trying to close them down, ban players that did this. This is why Jack Hunter, who played for Sheffield FA, was truly gifted, went over the Pennines, took money secret money from uh, the owners of Blackburn Olympic, became a player coach, did training, first time football training, and coached Blackburn Olympic uh, to win the FA Cup, as I've already mentioned. Meanwhile, it's this conflict going on um, in Sheffield for the people that remained. And um, it finally came to a head Wednesday, eventually, demanded that they get paid appearance money. And it was at the time when they were struggling to find a permanent ground. And there was a moment there with professionalism and a lack of ground where Wednesday uh, could have also gone bust. But the, this, is, this is Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. This is Wednesday Football Club, yeah. And so they, they started to be more begrudgingly pragmatic. But she Sheffield is the home of football. It was the first subculture in the world with football. There was thousands of players there from 1857 for uh, 25 years till 1882. Sheffield, without a doubt, so that's 1857 to 1882, was the world's leading football subculture. But then Sheffield backed everything on amateur football and they got it wrong. They, they picked Beta Max instead of VHS. <laughs> professional, sorry, that's a very dated metaphor. We need to perhaps edit that out. But the, um, it was professional football that won. I mean, don't get me wrong, by 1901, 
Sheffield's been described as the most important footballing city in England, better than Birmingham, better than London, better than Manchester in terms of what the professional Sheffield United and the pref, pref, professional Wednesday football club are achieving. They've, they lost the way in the mid-80s when professional football, professionalism was agreed by the London FA. But what's that? 15 years later, they've embraced it and they're going again. But that again. stayed true to that breed of old Victorian men. And Sheffield FC's only real trophy is the 1904 Amateur Cup because at the beginning they didn't enter competitions because it wasn't gentlemanly, so they didn't even enter the Sheffield County Cup. They didn't want to enter the FA Cup. So it took them till 1904 from 1857 to win their first cup and still definitely amateur. <laughs> That's brilliant. So you, you've touched on it and let's talk more about Sheffield as the, the, the true home of football then, because I... I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear Sheffield described as the home of football. After all, Manchester has a National Football Museum, although a friend tells me they stole that from Preston. Uh, <laughs> Wembley, obviously down south. So tell, tell us more about why Sheffield is the home of football. In, in my book, um, very quickly going through the Charles Alcott football annuals that start in 1868 and ran through to 1908. It was very clear that everything began in Sheffield. Um, I mean, we've got a list of 40 um, accolades. I'll, I'll just give you some edited highlights. So we've yeah, got the oldest existing association football club in the world. Second oldest existing association football club in the world. That's obviously Hallam. Second oldest league association football club in the world. That's Wednesday. Oldest existing ground in the world still to be hosting association football, San Diego. Oldest stadium in the world still to be hosting professional association football, Bramall Lane. The oldest knockout association football cup, Uden Cup. Second oldest knockout cup, Cromwell Cup. Oldest football association in England, Sheffield FA. The very first derby game, 1860, Sheffield FC, Hallam FC. World's uh, third oldest written playing rule. First use of floodlights. I'm now flicking through the list. World's first league club to be called United. Oldest church team in the world. Oldest state school football club. Oldest school tournament in the world still being competed for. Oldest pub team just goes on and on. This is amazing. There's no doubt that Cambridge is the birthplace of the rules. The Cambridge rules of 1848 are really important and the Sheffield rules of 1858 contributed to that and that debate I was telling you about in the Football Association but there wasn't it was rugby it was public schools it's not association football and so you can't say that for Cambridge the other contenders in the debate around home of football Lancashire quite rightly could say they are the home of professional football from the uh, late 1880s as the breakaway type of football. But they didn't get going in, until the 1880s and were incredibly divisive at the beginning because of that, because the London FA, the Midlands FA and Sheffield FA were tied to amateurism. And 
um, the Lancashire people were actively lobbying, trying to get the National FA relocated to Manchester because they knew Charles Alcock wouldn't travel, so they could put their own people into it. It was a real time of, of conflict. So Lancashire isn't the home of, of football. Neither is um, Cambridge, that's the rules. And, and I mean, Wembley's Arsenal, they all, they all say these things, but it's, it's not true. The National Football Museum, their exhibits start with professional football. There's one placard of, of an 1857 Sheffield team. They've got no Sheffield history, no Sheffield football history memorabilia. I think they've got a William, um, William Pierce's Dix's retirement present when he retired after the clashes over Zulu FC. So it, it, it's not true to say that. From an evolutionary point of view, everyone's kicked to football all the way through. And then as we get into the 19th century, the school rules coming along, public schools claim to, to have invented football, but they were just playing rugby and they actively avoided the Football Association when it was formed in 1863. They, they stuck to their club rules. That's what was important to them. So it's it's that Sheffield link where Penniston, Philston, folk football, Penniston Grammar, Sheffield Collegiate, Wesley College, Sheffield rules all come together in Sheffield FC. And between 1857 and 1882, um, that's when Sheffield's the home of football. In 1887, the Sheffield FA rules and the London rules amalgamated. They weren't subsumed Sheffield. It was an amalgamation of equals. And that's when association football took off. And that's what cleared the decks for professional football. Sounds great. It's a fascinating history. It sounds to me like maybe every professional football club in the country ought to have a made in Sheffield stamp on their shirt. Who knows? Oh, good line. That's really good. Yeah. Cool. So, um, a couple of years back, you were involved alongside some of my colleagues in the, the local studies library in creating an app, a kind of walking tour that takes people through Sheffield and its footballing history. I wonder if you can just briefly tell us a bit more about that. Yes, really, really proud of this. I was, I was giving a talk about my book and uh, Nick Partridge came along and he, he was looking for um, he had funding for a, for an app, and he was looking for um, content. And he came along and he said, "That's fantastic. This is what we want. We want a Sheffield Home of Football walking app. Can you help us?" And I, I jumped at it, and it's it's fantastic because it gave me access to all the Sheffield Picture Archive stuff, all the Central Library uh, maps, and it was just a question of trying to come up with a a route that covered. All the, all the major landmarks and um, was entertaining. And it could be done on foot in the flesh or you could sit in your armchair in Australia um, and do it. So it's called, if you go into it, your app store on your phone and put Sheffield Home of Football, you'll, you'll, you'll get this app. So the, one of the, we, we employed a, an actor to do an upper class uh, Sheffield accent to talk through some of the content. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of pictures in there. 
from the Sheffield archive. And the thing I, I love the most is that you can toggle between two maps. So you've got your modern Google map while you're following the route. But at any point, you can toggle to an 1855 Victorian map and see where you are. So you might be dropping down the hill from uh, Healy Parish Church where uh, Nathaniel Creswick is buried and you're surrounded by terrace houses, click to the 1855 map and you're just in empty farmland. It's, it's a fantastic thing. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed following it. And it's a great walk, was it four or five miles, something like that, but you don't need to do it all at once. And uh, yeah, really. Or you can just do the city centre stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. So it's been great talking to you, Martin. Before we finish this, I wonder, can you just tell us where people can find more, find out more about your work and uh, your writing and perhaps a bit more about the Sheffield Home of Football movement? Thank you very much. That's very kind. So the Sheffield Home, sorry, <laughs> let's do it in the right order. My, my book twin, came out in 2017 because there was a lot of big anniversaries in Sheffield football. That's called The History of Sheffield Football, 1857 to um, 1889. That's not for available um, on Amazon. It's only available at Sheffield City Centre, uh, Waterstones, or from my website, which is England's oldest football clubs.com. And uh, that's for sale on there together with a book that came out last year, which is called England's Oldest football so about 18 months two years ago on the back of the very successful Sheffield Treasures Day that I curated we decided to form a, a non-profit making organization called Sheffield Home of Football and that involves uh, Nick Partridge from the library service uh, John Wilson from the university and Anne Murphy a, a local councillor and we've been working very hard to raise the profile of Sheffield Home of Football, both in the city where it's needed, uh, nationally where it's needed, not so much the rest of the world, everyone else knows that Sheffield started football, but very much raising that profile. And John Wilson created a, a strategy document called Sheffield Home of Football. Um, it's 200 pages and you can download it from our website. There's a website purely for Sheffield Home of Football and that's www homeoffootball.net and there's a link on there where you can download that and we're working really hard to raise that profile about Sheffield being the home of football. We've given talks at uh, academic uh, conferences, we've issued papers to other historians to settle the matter and now we're looking at raising funding so that we can start a, a, a Sheffield football archive where we save for, for the future and for education now, football paper treasures for posterity. Martin, it's been great speaking to you. My guest today was Martin Westby, author of A History of Sheffield Football. And to learn more about the Sheffield Home of Football movement, visit homeoffootball.net. Well, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast, the new place to hear authors discuss their work and to explore stories, both fact and fiction, that we think deserve to be shared. I hope you'll join us again. <laughs>